After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. After further review, and we're back at it here another week, week just before Thanksgiving, giving thanks here in the University of Toledo Studios as we got the new studio up. Once again, got a kind of a recorded song, or not song, recorded show as I have a basketball practice from uh, basically 10 to noon. So you guys can be listening to us, but we got to record a little bit early. And once again, we got David, the man of God, Harris in the studio right here. David, what's going on down there in the cove? Not much, not much. Everyone's freaking out about the snow. But the snow, I, I mean, don't mind it, they're, they're in Ohio. They should be used to snow. Yeah, I mean, plus it's also November, getting close to Thanksgiving. It's, hey, if you don't like the snow, move out west, move down south. Like, this is Midwestern life, so... Wow, you really, <laughs> you're really telling them how it is, huh, uh, David? Well, I mean, I, it's like every year, it's kind of like people get so freaked out, like, oh my gosh, it's snowing. It's like we do this every year. True. We tell every year, you know, by about things, one good snowstorm or one decent introduction to snow. So make sure you have your boots, make sure you got your gloves. I mean, they're on sale. All year round, can't just wait until middle of November and then wonder why everyone has snow boots and everything and you're not prepared. Mm-hmm. Like, do better. Be better next year in the words of LeBron. Yeah, right here, David. This is what you told him. If you don't like it, get out. Get another one for David here. So now... We're going to get into our winners and losers, and uh, I guess, you know what? Why don't we just get started here, David, for you. Here we go. Go ahead, David. Uh, another edition of Winners and Losers for you. My thoughts on the football scene. We're going to start with the winners this week. The Tennessee Titans, our first winner, basically manhandling the New England Patriots in a way that we really haven't seen any team really do in a while. I mean, defensively, they really neutralized Tom Brady. Offensively, we saw Marcus Mariota have a breakout game. Corey Davis, action, showing some love, having a breakout game, and really just all facets. The Tennessee Titans. Some say that they were kind of the dark horse out of the AFC South heading into this year. I thought they would be eight and eight, nine, seven years. 97 kind of team, but the way that this division is shaping up, they may be having an inside track to win the division, having that earlier head-to-head victory over the Houston Texans. So the Tennessee Titans are on a hot streak, and they're rolling when you need a good team to be rolling in the end of December. 
our next winner, my hometown team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You win big. You drop 50 on Carolina at home. The Le'Veon Bell saga is finally over and done with. Like, everything is good for a Steelers fan. I think the only thing is now with James Conner kind of having been in the concussion protocols, does that open up a possible doorway for further injury and further kind of scares? Which also means, does this mean that we're going to get Big Ben throwing the ball, you know, 40, 45 times in some weeks just to preserve James Conner for the postseason? Does it open up all kinds of other doors for who we can bring in as reserving that? Knowing that you kind of have a little bit of a decent committee, but no one really stands out in a way from your running back position. So the Steelers are looking good, finally. And now that we're back on top of the division, it's basically ours to lose. Our third winner, Hugh Jackson. I know this is going to come as a surprise to many people. But what, that he, what a, that he got out of Cleveland? Or he got fired? Yeah. yeah, he got out of Cleveland and then heads back to familiar territory in Cincinnati where the last time he was in Cincinnati, the Bengals were consistently ranking atop the league in offensive efficiency and offensive statistical categories. Seeing how inept Andy Dalton seems to be without A.J. Green, bringing back a familiar face may help jumpstart that organization, at least on the offensive end. Also knowing that Marvin Lewis is not going to get fired anytime for the next 20 years. So he has that card for him as well. But kind of brings back a sense of familiarity. And again, he gets out of Cleveland, which if you're any kind of coach, coordinator, that's always good for your mental health, your sanity, and your professional career. And continuing to stick in state, we have a couple stories from the college football ranking, uh, college football world. Shout out to University of Cincinnati, finally back in the AP Top 25. They have a crucial matchup in conference this weekend against the undefeated UCF. College game day will be down in Orlando for that one, as well as uh, Saturday night prime time. So we have to give some nice love. And then to round out our winners, a couple of familiar coaches to Northwest Ohio. First, down in Wake Forest and Coach Crawson. Yeah, that's right. The former BG coach before Dino Babers. Are you going to say both Say both of them? Well, yeah. Dino's having a tremendous year because, again, no one, everyone thought when he was out, like when he left BG, everyone was just like, oh, he's not good, he's not good. Well, you yeah, know, he's pretty good. And it brings up a question, yeah. Did BG kind of fire too quickly? Probably, but thinking of Coach Clawson and Wake Forest upsetting 14th ranked NC State on the road with the quarterback making his first career start and being down 10 points in the fourth quarter. So that that takes some, you know, cojones to do that. But shout out to Wake Forest. And then shout out to our own Coach Campbell on Iowa State continually just shooting up the boards, getting marquee wins. If you haven't heard his post, his most recent post-game kind of locker room speech, I mean, that, that's what we've come to expect. And we, for those of us that were around Coach Campbell 
and got a chance to talk with him. And I mean, you best vintage Matt Campbell in many respects. Now everyone's saying he's, you know, the hottest coach in college football. Like, just from humble beginnings, from Mount Union, working his way up through the UT kind of box, and then the head coach, and now at Iowa State, like, Matt Campbell is, is a good one. And I'm always going to be in Coach Campbell's corner and support him wherever he goes, because he's, he's one hell of a coach. Now, do you think he would be a winner? to stay at Iowa State or possibly take that Cleveland Browns job because it was thrown out there that, that he could be a possible candidate. Now, obviously, people say all that stuff when it's, you know, agents try to throw their clients' names out there, but he's done a very sustainable job at Iowa State. Now, national championship power, no, but the way Iowa State was in the Big 12 Conference before he got there where they were kind of towards either mediocre or towards the bottom of the pack. He's at least making them competitive. Um, maybe it might be best for him to stay at Iowa State or does he make the jump to the NFL? And like you said, I, I totally love Matt Campbell. He was great to the media, great person, great to the kids. I always tell the story when Matt Campbell went to Iowa State, and I did that when I went to the press conference to announce the interim coach and that Matt was leaving. It almost felt like, a guy had died like literally the guy was still alive but people were acting like the guy had died so it was almost like almost like a memoriam for him or something like that and i'm like dude the guy didn't die he just left to go to another school to coach some football but that's how deeply rooted he was in the program that's how much the kids really liked him yeah and that just goes to show like you said kind of how invested he was in building kind of reviving the toledo image and getting us to on the trajectory of where we are now but I think in terms of your question, I, I think because he's getting the recruits and now he's getting his guys in Iowa State, I mean, the quarterback that they have turned down Alabama to go to Ames, Iowa. Like, if that doesn't say how good of a, pro, of a guy Matt Campbell is in terms of that allure and wanting guys to play for him and the way that the players love playing for him, it's like, I think he could build, I don't want to say a dynasty, but he could be kind of in that Kirk Ferentz model of being at Iowa State for 10, 15 years, kind of really honing and defining his craft and making Iowa State competitive. He's got some marquee wins against the bigger teams in conference. We know that other non-conference teams are probably not going to schedule him, and so that follow along, but teams are going to be like, hey, Iowa State's dangerous. Here's why no one wants to play with him. So... It all bodes well for Coach Campbell. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> I hope so too. Uh, Iowa State, I know it's it in the Big Twelve. It's very competitive, and not to mention you, you also have to deal with Iowa, your rival, and then around those parts, Oklahoma, Texas, even somewhat of Lovey Smith with Illinois. But by the way, I've heard Lovey Smith might be on the hot seat over there in Illinois. Uh, what do you think about that situation? Well, I mean, Lovey Smith's been on the hot seat since you basically said that he was a poor coach for Chicago Bears. Yeah, he was. So everywhere everywhere he's been been on the hot seat since then. But, yeah, I I think Illinois, I don't know if Coach Campbell would want to go to Illinois, jumping from the Big 12 to the Big 10 and knowing that in the Big 10 you're competing with them. I mean, you're essentially competing for the same kind of kids. But then looking at the competitive 
balancing where you would be starting from. Granted, it would be a similar situation to Iowa State in terms of Illinois football is not what it wants to be, nowhere close by any means necessary. The recruiting classes are okay. Like, you're getting your you know, two and three stars, but Coach Campbell has made magic with two and three star recruits. Like, that, that's his calling card. He gets the best out of these kids. Uh, Illinois would be an interesting prospect. I just don't know if he would want to leave what he's doing in Iowa State. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes sense, but then again, sometimes the money talks, David. Yeah, I mean, money talks, but is it the money, or does he want to win and kind of hold his legacy? I mean, granted, we asked the same kind of thing when he was in Toledo, and Iowa State was kind of rumored and came calling, so. It'd be interesting to see, but either way, he's the hottest prospect in coaching. I don't care what people say about Lincoln Riley. It's, it's Matt Campbell. Yeah, we we talked about. I mean, I you know he kind of proved me wrong because I even said on this show if Matt Campbell was going to leave Toledo, go to a really big time program that you can get some guys and 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 and, and make sense and you know build it. You know Iowa State, obviously, it's, it's like I said, it's still tough for Iowa State because where you're who you're battling with, you're battling with an in-state rival, and then you're also in the middle of where Nebraska is. I mean, Nebraska kind of fell off with Scott Frost, but still. He could possibly rebuild that program. So you got Nebraska, you have Texas, Oklahoma. You know those guys are getting most of your recruits in that area. And um, to me, at the time, Big Ten country. Yeah, Big Ten. Like I said, Big Ten country. Ohio. You got to compete with Ohio State, Michigan. So I always thought with him at Iowa State, how are you really going to build a national champion? I don't think so. But then again, their community. And I've learned this, you know, kind of coaching. There's some communities that are fine with that. As long as you're competitive, you're not the doormat of the league, they're happy with you. As long as you're you graduating kids and you're at least competing for a league title and you maybe have less than four, maybe less than three losses, hey, that's fine. Now, obviously, at other programs like Ohio State, possibly Penn State, if you're not competing for a national championship or Michigan national championship, it's like sayonara. But, you know, if Iowa State gets first or second in their division, you know, the fans and the, and the alumni are happy and even the donors. So I think it worked out for them. I think that's why Ferens over at Iowa is so successful there because their expectations, I hate to say it, aren't as high as maybe like an Ohio State. Think about it. Ohio State could win the Big Ten title. And if they're not in the playoff, it's like, well, we won the Big Ten, Big Ten title. Big deal. But if Iowa or Iowa State were to win the Big 12 or Big 10 title respectively, I mean, the fans are elated that they won the, the actual league title and had a shot at getting in the playoffs. So I guess it's all in how you look at it in a, in a perspective point. But, you know, I'm proud of Matt Campbell, and I always support him all the time. I just wish he kind of stayed at Toledo because your boy Matt Campbell Twitter was fire. Oh, it's still fire, like – I don't really see it as much when Iowa State. I don't know whoever's running the account anymore. I kind of think Iowa State didn't accept the Twitter thing. Here at Toledo was a big thing. People loved it. People couldn't wait to see. You know, it almost became an alter ego of Matt Campbell. It almost became bigger than the coach. But I think they tried to implement it at Iowa State. And I don't think it got the the ball rolling like it did here. I don't know what you you think. But that's my perspective. No, I I think it's all about context. Like, 
when it was formed, like when it kind of took shape, everyone was having fun with it. Everyone loved it. I, I want to say Coach Campbell was, may have interacted with it he once did. or twice. He did. Uh, once or yeah. twice, he did. So it's like, I think kind of new context, knowing different kind of kids. Like, it's going to take some time for everyone to really, like, fall in love with it in the same way. But, I mean, it's still out there. It's still, still getting some gems. Still sure. getting some gems. It is a hidden year. Anything else? Not for the winners, but as we switch over to the losers section, I got a couple of mini rants. We'll, we'll start in college football and stay relatively close to home with Oklahoma State. And they always get close. They're always in a big game situation. They're always in those games where it's like you think that they're on the cusp of getting over the hump. And... For those of you familiar with the proceedings of the show, kind of my slogan for Oklahoma on the Bob Stoops era was big game Bob Stoops blows. I think now, staying within Bethlehem, I've come up with a new slogan for Coach Mike Dundee. In must-win games, the mall is missing. Because it always seems like Oklahoma State's always in one of these pressure games where it's one score, you know, they lose by seven or lose by three. But when it comes time to make those big games to take your program to that next level of beating Oklahoma, beating Texas, being respected in a way on the national scale, Oklahoma State always comes up short. Like they may have a little blip here, a little blip there, but on the whole, Mike Gunn in must win game, he missed it. And so I, I hope that slogan goes viral. If it does, I want my roar at least. <laughs> uh, thinking in college football, Michigan State, I, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with that program. People are saying, you know, fire offensive coordinator, fire defensive coordinator, fire coach D'Antoni. It's just, the team, is, the team is who they are. They are middle of the road. In every preseason ranking, we always put them fourth in the conference. They're fourth in the division behind Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and so they just, they are who we thought they were. Like, they may have good moments, but if it's the big teams, like, you get punched. And I, I know Frank is probably one to say, you know, fire everybody, clear out house, start all over, but maybe he's right. Maybe it's time for Michigan State to look at this program and kind of like, all right, we have some moments here. We've got some peaks, but on the whole, we are we are. Right. Uh, sticking in the state of Michigan, they're transitioning to the NFL, the Detroit Lions. Now, I, I saw on Twitter earlier this week about kind of how people should not blame Matt Stafford for kind of the problems with the Detroit Lions and giving statistics about how statistically he's a top eight quarterback in recent years. And my response is, okay, so if you're a top eight quarterback, there are, last I checked, there were 12 teams that made the playoffs, that make the playoffs every year. So if you are a top eight quarterback, that means... You are, like, in theory, your team should be in the playoffs every year. Statistically, you are a top 
10 quarterback. So why is it that you are perpetually 8-8? Eight eight? Everyone wants to blame offensive line. Everyone wants to blame, oh, he doesn't have wide receivers. Oh, he doesn't have running back. Oh, look at the defense. Oh, what about the offensive coordinator? We've got to fire the offensive coordinator. We've got to fire the head coach, even though he's trying to come in and install this new culture. It seems like every other piece has changed within this organization other than the one that I think is the biggest problem. With When Matt Stafford got the money and it is verified on the show, check the tape, I said you have not worth that money. You overpaid for a guy that is middle-of-the-road average. Yes, he may have a good game. Yes, he may have all these statistical comebacks and everything. He may have the statistical success. But if you're not leading your team to the playoffs, it falls on the quarterback. It's like if you blame the quarterback for every other team. We blame Tom Brady if the Patriots don't do well. We blame Aaron Rodgers. Like, we blame Drew Brees. Why aren't you playing better? But yeah, it seems like Matt Stafford always gets a pass. And it's like, no, everything else has changed. We've all we changed around all these other pieces. Trying to quote unquote get Matt Stafford better weapons, and he's still not making the playoffs. Clearly, it means that you need to change your quarterback. I know it's a pop, unpopular opinion, you know, in the state of Michigan, but I mean, how long has he been in the league? 12, 13 years? Like, he's, he's not young anymore. He's not, he can't use the Oh, he still has room to grow. He is who he is. He's an average quarterback on an average team that's not going to win a playoff game because they haven't won one since Barry Sanders was there. And so if you're a Lions fan, I'm sorry, you can defend Matt Stafford all you want, but you're just defending mediocrity. True, that's very true. Yeah. Continue on. With the losers, the Buffalo Bills, and it's la- at this point it's just laughable because it's, it's Nathan Peterman. Formally, Nathan Peterman gets released after they realize, hey, we can pick up Matt Barkley off the street, and within you know, three or four days, he's out here running trick plays. He's out here leading the offense as though he's been in the locker room the entire time. And I kind of feel bad for Nathan Peterman because, like, it's not his. Like, it's partially not. It's 50-50. It's part his fault because as a quarterback, like, his just play was just horrendous. Like, it's not even, like, you can't even defend it at this point. But it's also the organization who keeps putting him in the situation, knowing that he thinks that he put throwing him out there because as an organization... You handle quarterbacks worse than any other franchise that I've ever seen. And so, what does it say about your organization that you can bring in a guy off the street and he can run trick plays, he can lead your offense, and they look competent and decent, albeit against the New York Jets defense, but it's still an NFL caliber defense. And you're bringing guys in off the street who are doing trick plays in three days? Like, and, and all of this could have been avoided, again, if he just keeps Sherrod Taylor. 
You decided to trade him. You decided to let him go because you wanted to build with Nathan Peterman. You had A.J. McCarron, who, if nothing else, at least he's had NFL experience and he's not turnover prone. You get rid of him in you know, preseason because you want Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman to be your guys. So congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. You played yourself. But, and the last loser, my, and this is not coming from a place of, oh, you're just saying that because, you know, it's a, you know, popular and you're quote unquote bandwagoning. It's a Jacksonville Jaguars. And again, for those of you familiar with the show, I've been riding with the Jaguars for at least a solid four or five years. At least. And so, with this recent downturn, I started thinking about it, and this has been brewing for a couple weeks now. It was ever since a certain quarterback who was touting and bloviating about being all pro at his position in their matchup against Kansas City, it seems like ever since that game, the defense has been the reason why this team is lost. Like, Blake Borders played well for surprising everybody. You get to court that final playing one. You get four that back. But week after week, it's the defense that has let this team down. And it's interesting that when the team is playing poorly, or when the team is playing well, you know, you're quick to open your mouth, talk about how great you are, how you're the greatest quarter in the world, how you're all pro at your position. I was made to the pro ball at my position the last two years. But when the team is not doing well, and as a unit, specifically the Jacksonville Jaguars have regressed to being middle of the road defensively, I'll supply it now. Like, where, where's the trash talk? Where's the bravado? Where's the confidence? And now that the Jacksonville has kind of traded away some of their defensive pieces, I mean, like, if you're supposed to be this elite player on this elite unit that just last year was shutting teams down left, right, and center, can't get all quiet now and kind of run back into your shell now that you know you're getting torched up by Andrew Luck. So, Jacksonville Jaguars, you want to you want to talk when you're up? You can't get silent when you're down. True, and they pretty much got slapped in the face. But it, it, it was kind of expected, though. I mean, with Leonard Fournette out with injuries, it usually happens to an up-and-coming rising team. I think a lot of people slept on them, and they were healthy, and that's how they got that surprise start. And I think this year people were on them. And let's be honest, you know, they've had injuries that are not as good and as depth, as deep as other teams, and now they're getting pretty much punched in the mouth. Got to wrap it up, David. Yeah, so my, my last loser... And it's kind of, you know, the, the Ohio State situation. And <laughs> there you go again, beating on that horse. I, I mean, it, it came out this week that another story about kind of Zach Smith. Well, I wouldn't say this is the Ohio State situation. This is becoming more Zach Smith. He's removed from the school. He's no longer affiliated with them. And you're starting to see uh, uh, how much of, of a trashy guy he is. Um, so I, I really think that, that that's what's basically going on here with this situation. I think this the Ohio State situation is more of what happened before everything happened. 
uh, with his wife and everything while he was on campus. Anything after that, I don't think is really uh, can be attributed to him. And actually, it looks like we lost uh, David, the man of God, Harris. As usual, the, the, the phone line goes down, and I think we got David back. David, are you back? David? Oh, David's uh, uh, cell phone uh, went out. So what we're going to do is maybe see if we can get David back on the line. But as I was mentioning before, the, the Zach Smith situation is getting a little out of hand. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't even say this is an Ohio State situation. You're starting to see that... Um, the true colors of Zach Smith, and you're seeing how true of true of a person he is now. Getting all of a sudden in arguments with uh, uh, on Twitter and, and stuff like of the of the such. So I still scratch my head and see wonder why Urban Meyer kept him around or even gave him a second chance over at Ohio State. But then again, like I said, I see it from the coaching's perspective. You always, as a coach, looking to trying to help and save individuals and maybe try to make them into a better person but in that retrospect um it just didn't really work out and uh kind of had some egg on the face of urban meyer and it happens to all the great coaches Tressel, urban meyer just to name a few and you know you have your passion to go help guys out and sometimes you got to be careful who you help out and keep some of those guys at an arm's distance and uh, that was what what basically what happened so, David, you're back on the line. Your phone went out. Finish up real quick. All right, so basically the, the reason I brought in Ohio State as the institution is that, kind of according to reports, Ohio State knew about the situation that happened with Zach Smith and the team from Rachel Slur. And so my thing was, as, like, if, okay, with Zach Smith and the personal life, okay, we have various circles. We have various people handling with it. Okay, personal thing. You know, happened. We had some stories about things that happened at the workplace with personal misconduct and things brought to work that shouldn't have been at work. But if you're calling people, you know, calling someone's kid a racial slur and all this stuff while at the professional workplace, I think that's when it's in within the realm of possibility and control of the institution of Urban Meyer. So, like, okay, this is happening at work now. Now we should say something about it. Now we can be like, okay, Zach, like you can't do this at work. Like this is our workplace. This is ours. And I think it just adds a little bit more hoopla to this whole situation, and further further brings question as as to okay now now that everyone again is calling for Aaron Myers' head. It's like if Ohio State wasn't going to fire. Urban Meyer after what we learned about or what we knew about they're not going to fire Urban Meyer over what the school knew about that we're assuming Urban Meyer also knew about because it happened I'm sure the player would have said some Urban Meyer as well like, they're not going to, they're going to stick by Urban Meyer no matter what and so, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday and it's like is this going to be Urban Meyer's legacy? Zach Smith not the national championships, not the success. Is it going to be how he's handled kind of his relationship and association with Zach Smith? Is that going to be what people think about when first, you know, name association Urban Meyer in five years, in ten years? And I don't know. People around here are like, okay, let's just stick to football. We got a 40 game coming up against Michigan next week. 
And it's like, but just stories keep coming up and it keeps bringing it back into the live life. Yeah, and guys like you are just eating it up. Well, that's the segment with Dave the Man of God Harris with uh, Winners and Losers. Make sure you always check us out on um, After Further Review Saturdays, 11 to 1 here on 88.3 WHT. Also, make sure you check out the podcast. Go to either SoundCloud or on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, make sure you just give us five stars. Say, you know, this is a great podcast. And, you know, and take, a, take a listen to us. You know what I'm saying? Just, 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 just give, us a, give us the time of day. That's all I'm asking. Anyway, when we return, David's going to talk a little bit about Zion Williamson. I think he's got a little bit of, of mixed hate about the man. Right? No hate. No hate. Just show something more than a doctor once in a while, would you? Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll give you that. Anyway, we'll be back here on 88.3 WXT with more with David the Man of God Harris. <laughs> 